Hey, football fans, this is Diana Rossini from The Athletic. Get the top stories in pro football snapped directly to your inbox with our latest NFL newsletter, Scoop City. Jacob Robinson and I will bring you the daily scoop of top NFL articles, posts, and podcasts every Monday to Friday. Sign up for free now at theathletic.com backslash scoop. Time has come. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. The Athletic presents Hogan Johns. Hoach. 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 Put it in the corner. Hoach. From CHGO, it's Adam Ho. And from The Athletic, it's Adam Johns. It's one of the craziest games that I've covered live. But that crazy for me. I feel like, how many times a season do we say that? Yeah, but this one, like, I know. In the red zone... I'm, I'm not disputing what you're zone. saying. I'm just like, how does this franchise keep doing that? Anyway, uh, who cares? Here they are, the Adams, Hogan Johns. What's up? Welcome in. We got a special edition of Hogan Johns this week. As the Bears return from their bye week as we do a crossover with our friends that do the Birds with Friends podcast. Bo Wolf, Zach Berman are here, and Kevin Fishbane's in for Adam Johns because, well, Johns had an eventful bye week, and he had a baby beautiful Emily Catherine Johns has entered the world, and I think I speak for everyone in saying thank goodness it's a girl. Right, Kevin? Yes, I think the Johns family needed a girl, and uh, yeah, happy for happy for the family. Last I checked, everyone's doing well, and uh, Johns, he said he's going to be at the game Sunday. Yeah. So wow. I don't know if he's going to do anything else for the next month, but he says he's going to be at the game Sunday. As a fan? <laughs> Hard to say. <laughs> yeah. No, he did. He did. Uh, I think Colleen gave him permission to co- still cover the game, but uh, he's he's not going to be on the pod this week. And um, that's so we know, we know where his priorities are. Sounds like a football guy. Do yeah. we? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. Would rather would rather be at the football game than do the podcast. <laughs> Now, yeah, that's the question. Will he do the post-game pod after the game, or will he say, no, I got to get home to the baby? Yeah, see, he's gonna. I feel like he's going to be very conveniently utilizing the baby excuse. Well, I, shouldn't he does have, it, I shouldn't call it an excuse. Well, he does, have, baby. he does have four kids now, right, Kev? We have to adjust our long-running joke about how many children he has. It's, he does. It's, it's now does. four. Uh, Bo and Zach, thanks so much for jumping on with us. We appreciate it. Um, thanks for having it, us. Yeah, what's it like covering a uh, good football team? Zach, go ahead. You're the one who's already <laughs> uh, written a book about one, so <laughs> uh, it's it's a happy locker room. You, you know that's that's what jumps out. There's there's less um, there's less sniping. It, I don't know if sniping's the word. There's there's less griping between you and I. I think is <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, but uh, honestly, it's it's one of these things too where at this point in the year it's almost like fast forward to the playoffs, right? Because you're at a stage where very little that occurs during these next few weeks matters relative to what happens in January. So I, I, I think, uh, you know, they, they clinch, they can still clinch the division, they can still clinch the bye, but the stakes have been raised. So it's very much to the point of, all right, well, what happens in January? You know how on Tuesday mornings we get that um, playoff scenario email from the NFL? Yes, I think I've deleted 
every one of those emails but three in 10 years covering the Bears. <laughs> <laughs> or at least ignored them. So I'm glad you guys get to uh, read that email today when it comes out. Figure out what you're clinching. Uh... Remember Hogue in 2018? It was like, oh, cool. Yeah. Eagles, we get Eagles, to Bears. Yeah, yeah, we get to kind of use these, look at these emails and figure out the Bears clinching scenarios. Yeah, and it was, they were relatively, they had like a comfortable lead. They they clinched the division that year with uh, a couple games to go. Three right. three games to go, I think. Um, I have a funny Chicago story, by the way, about that game, that that, that Eagles-Bears game that I think your listeners might appreciate. And that's, uh, and it's, it's kind of ironic as the game came down to a kicker. But I was speaking to Jake Elliott, who's a Chicago area native before that Eagles Bears game, and I'm asking him about kicking in the conditions and and going with the whole Windy City theme. And a few minutes in, he's like, "By the way, you know the Windy City nickname is not because of the weather." Uh, and I actually did not know that, right? So uh, I, I I think Chicago people can appreciate that. I, I did not put that together. I was going with the whole, you know, with with the whole wind and Chicago conditions, and he had to correct me on that one. Yeah, remind me what year did Jake? What, when did Jake come in the league? Because I remember Kevin and I both remember that beat. Seventeen. Seventeen. Yeah. That's yeah. right. Because we I remember at the Senior Bowl. <clears throat> yeah, that's right. Lions. So he's an L, LT grad from uh, Lagrange, Lions Township, and um, coming out of Memphis. I remember because that was after they had already cut Robbie Gold, and they needed a kicker, and it was like, hey, they should be looking at Jake Elliott, and then. Uh, they didn't, and then they ended up with Cody Parkey, and then that just made the whole mm. thing uh, even worse with the double dying. Well, it was, so, it was then, a short-sighted thing by the Bengals, too. The Bengals drafted him in the fifth round and then put him on the practice squad right away. Didn't He didn't make the roster, and that's where the Eagles poached him from when, when their kicker got injured. So That's uh, right. The I forgot. Really messed up. Yeah, I forgot actually, he was originally on the Bengals. We, we had an athletic Chicago, athletic Philadelphia meetup the night before that game. That's right. More, I, that. I think more Bo and Shield fans showed up um than athletic chicago fans yeah, just it's the shield cronies they yeah. travel in yeah. yeah i know bo has his minions so well this is pre this is pre adam johns at the athletic because you know and pre zach berman yeah yeah that's true then then we could have really had uh we could have filled up that bar well just that with was- his children is what i'm hearing <laughs> yes <true>. yes <laughs> yeah. Just, just with the Johns family, exactly. Yeah. Um, all right, well, let's jump into some of the uh, the current. I was actually thinking about before we were jumping on here about the uh, differences in the Bears and Eagles since our podcast started in fifteen, and yeah, they've had one uh, one winning season, technically two playoff bursts because they did make it as the seventh seed uh, in twenty twenty, but no one here in Chicago even like recognizes that that happened because they were so bad and they didn't know Manti Teo started at linebacker in that game. Uh, I don't even a, remember that. Yeah, no, no people in Chicago don't even yeah. remember he was on the team. He was actually on the team yeah. the whole year and no one even knew it. Um, cause he was like on the practice squad and then Roquan Smith got hurt right before the, the playoffs and he actually had to play. It was just a disaster. Um, so guys, how, before we get into the quarterback talk, the Eagles, of course, win a Super Bowl, right? Then they beat the Bears in the playoffs. They kind of have a, at least in Chicago, we look at it as a very quick dip of being bad and then flipped it around really fast. How did the Eagles do that so quickly? Because, of course, here in Chicago, finally going into this offseason, the Bears are going to have a ton of cap space, draft capital, all the things that they haven't really had in so many years because they kept mortgaging the future. 
So they're looking at teams like the Eagles and the Bills for like, hey, how did they do this and how can the Bears turn this thing around? Go ahead, Zach. Yeah, so uh, I would say, big picture, Howie Roseman, the Eagles general manager, is probably best at 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 building or or rebuilding. I, you know, when they were trying to maintain that championship team, there were some moves and some philosophies that that backfired on on them. But as far as how they did it so quickly, there was a few things. First off, they were they were willing to eat. Carson Wentz's money, which I don't know if some teams would have done that. That was a huge decision. They trade Carson Wentz at the right time, uh, before frankly his his one hundred and and twenty plus million dollar contract extension even commenced. Uh, they they trade him. They get picks for him, valuable picks. But also what they did there was they were able to kind of reset their cap picture and reset their organization. Um, the year prior, they drafted Jalen Hurts in the second round. They didn't draft him with the intention of him um, becoming the starter, franchise quarterback, MVP candidate. But that was that turned out to be a, a good pick, and they've developed him well. But then outside of the quarterback situation, they were they were very strategic in, in, in terms of how they navigated their draft picks. They traded back to add future picks. They had a lot of um, draft – they had, they had a, a lot of draft inventory and a lot of flexibility that allowed them to, for instance, trade up to get Devontae Smith. Uh, and then this past offseason, they they just really executed things well. They were patient. They allowed some signings to come to them, like James Bradbury. But then in addition to that, what, what you saw them do was they were able to, uh, um, you know, trade for A.J. Brown on draft night. That was That was a huge move for them. So there was just a collection of moves Howie Roseman was able to do, but it, it started with the Carson Wentz trade, and then um, it it, it kind of went from there, tanking the final game of the 2020 season. They wouldn't call it tanking, but that certainly helped in terms of draft picture. And then the last thing I'll say is Jeffrey Lurie and, and the Eagles front office did a good job in terms of uh, hiring Nick Sirianni, who was an unknown candidate, but turned out to be a really good hire for the Eagles. Do you like Formula One but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing, the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Yeah, I think the I think the two um the off seasons, the last two off seasons, the way that things have turned around so quickly is a little bit jarring. And I think after the Carson Wentz trade, uh, there was an expectation that it was going to be sort of dark times for a while. Even when Jeffrey Lurie hired Nick Sirianni, the messaging was like, we're getting rid of Doug Peterson because we know we need to rebuild. And that's not fair to Doug. And obviously that was the, their messaging. But it was like, we we are excited about the coach that you can become because this is going to take some time. And I think what, what was a, a pleasant surprise for them last season was uh, their 2018 draft class, which was just like, it was just a five-player draft class. Those guys all sort of took a jump. And, you know, that includes Jordan Mailata, who was a, a seventh round pick. 
Dallas Goddard was able to step into the forefront. Avante Maddox and Josh Sweat became good, uh, like really good. And that was part of the problem with the Eagles' decline over the course of that post-Super Bowl time period is that they had this sort of gap of no like franchise tenants in their prime, right? They had young players and they had old players. They didn't have anybody in their like mid to late 20s who was really making an impact. And now that that 2018 class sort of graduated to that, that took their roster um, into better shape last year. And they were able to take advantage of, a, of an easy schedule and, and slide into the playoffs. And then this offseason, that put Howie Roseman into sort of hyperdrive. But there's also some luck involved here. And, and Zach and I have talked about this a lot. Like, you know, they didn't expect Jalen Hurts to be this good. They tried to trade for Russell Wilson. They looked into Deshaun Watson um, before they got A.J. Brown. They tried to sign Allen Robinson. They looked into signing Christian Kirk. They tried to trade for Calvin Ridley. And so there's like a a sliding doors where we're talking about uh, like a, you know, a terrible Eagles team with Russell Wilson and Allen Robinson, as opposed to um, them being a little bit fortunate that this is the way that things have played out. And, and boy, have they. See, Hogue, I think when I listen to that, I've always thought that Howie Roseman could be the GM Ryan Poles wants to emulate a little bit in terms of roster building because you know you hear Bo and Zach talk about a lot a lot of these players came from the draft and then and then they use that draft capital to put themselves in position to get an AJ Brown as opposed to I know you guys said that they looked into a Christian Kirk and Al Robinson but like I feel like if like that's where when we look ahead of the next draft that's where I'm so interested to see what Ryan Poles does because we're going to have this debate it's going to be a very annoying debate for four months about whether the pair should stay at two or three or trade back. And I feel like high Roseman would be the type of guy that would trade back. And we saw what Philadelphia did with those picks. Cause you look at what the Eagles had as a foundation. And I think it's a lot more than what the bears might have. Like I just feel like the bears still have a lot, like a couple more drafts potentially to go to get there. And I wonder if he, looks at high Roseman as a GM that he wants to kind of be like when it comes to how to wheel and deal in the draft. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I and I think that refresh our, our memory. How many, they traded back in the first round two years in a row or was it even more than that? Yeah. So in, in 2021, after they had lost that final game of the regular season, uh, they traded out of number six early um, in like a, a few weeks before the draft and down to number 12 and picked up a, a Dolphins first round pick. And then they ended up moving up a couple spots to draft Devontae Smith. Um, and then last year they had, you know, they had three first round picks. And so they traded one of them, or I guess, what, what was it? Zach? They traded two of them to the Saints and then, no, no, one of them to no, the Saints. They, they for, traded for, one for a future first, a future, future second. First, yeah. And a future second. And then they ended up moving up uh, with one of them for Jordan Davis, and they traded the other one for A.J. Brown. Oh, I forgot about the Saints. Yeah. The role in all of this. Yeah, which is why Saints, right now the Eagles. There's going to be three teams in the top five who have all lost their picks. It's crazy. And and so as it stands right now, and this still could, could change a lot, but, um, you know, the Eagles are the best team in football with the fifth overall pick in the NFL draft right. coming up. So, I mean, uh, that all sounds like a dream. But as, as oh, um, I, I, I would just say, as, as Bo mentioned there, a lot of this was designed to position themselves to get a quarterback, right? All the draft right. picks, all the cap space. Uh, and then Jalen Hurts becoming this quarterback really helps the the roster building overall. Well, and that is one parallel, right, with the Bears is that, you know, for all of Ryan Pace's faults 
in Chicago and Matt Nagy's, it does at least seem like right now you can feel optimistic that they left the new regime at quarterback uh, based on what we've seen so far. We'll get into that in a second, but I've heard the tanking thing now multiple times, including yesterday it came up once. What happened in that last game then in 2020 because, as you can imagine, this is a huge story in Chicago right now. Like, at this point, now that they played the Packers they again, Bears fans just want the Bears to lose out at this point to make sure they secure a, a top three, maybe a top two pick. So what did the Eagles actually do in that last game that it actually looked like, oh, they're actually intentionally losing this game? Well, <laughs> well you know, it, it was interesting because there was a spotlight placed on the game because it was the the final game of the season. It was that Sunday night game. They had flexed into it because uh, the Washington football team was in, was like the only team in a win and in scenario. It really wasn't that wild from my perspective. What made it a little bit um, wonky is that, you know, Jalen Hurts played the first half. And then I think with the first drive of the, of the second half, and then they mm -hmm. pulled him for Nate Sudfeld and, you know, Doug Peterson's messaging after the game was like, well, you know, you know, Nate's been such a good soldier for us. We wanted to get him some playing time. And so that made it look uh, a little bit untoward. But it really wasn't that crazy of a thing to me. I think there was a little bit made, too much made of it because it was the, the primetime game. That said, like, you know, I sort of get it. and it, But it also it totally worked out in the Eagles' favor. I, it also, like, they weren't necessarily going to win that game anyway. Jalen Hurts was playing very poorly. So it's not like they like lost intentionally and like let the the football team score it was just the pulling of the quarterback is really what made it sort of everybody's sirens go up yeah the other thing is is uh, they didn't even dress their full allotment of players right so so any player who who had any type of injury particularly veteran guys just just didn't play at all which isn't abnormal um when a, it's a bad team and uh in the in the last game of of the year, but uh, they <clears throat> they were very like I don't want to say brazen, but apparent in just playing a, a lot of guys who fans might not remember. Number one, but to Bo's point, uh, and this is the thing that was kind of lost in, in everything is 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 they were four ten and one with their best players, right? They, they weren't a good team that, right. that year as it was. So it's not as if they took the seventy two Dolphins. And all or the 85 Bears, and all of a sudden sat everybody. Um, they they were a bad team in a in a bad division in a really bad year, and they were just trying to get to the finish line as fast as they could. But taking out their starting quarterback in the middle of the game to put in Nate Sudfeld became a national punchline. Can you imagine, Hogue, if if week 18 they they yanked Justin Fields at halftime for Nathan Peterman? It would go against everything that Matt Eberflus has talked about this year. It's, it, it sounds it sounds As like the one parallel that cannot be drawn between the two teams because yeah. it, it's... And I'm, go ahead. I was going to say, and Bo and Zach could correct me. I don't know, like, and this is where draft cachet comes in play. Like, Jalen Hurts, as you guys said, second-round pick. Like, Justin Fields, the guy they trade up for in the first round. And, like, I mean, I don't know. I'm thinking back to late 2020. Like in that game, it wasn't like all of Philadelphia knew Jalen Hurts was the guy. Definitely not. Right. Yeah. So in Chicago, at least Chicago Bears fans are all in on fields right now. So it's a little different. But as a, and I've mentioned this on the pod before, but as a fan of chaos, I want the week 18 scenario where the Bears have to lose to get the number two pick and the Vikings uh, playoff seat is locked in mm. and they're playing their backups. 
and like who Chaos. what's, what's going to happen. That's good. <laughs> I yeah, love, I, I would also I imagine that. that like because it's Eberflus's first year, there's sort of like a, a culture building angle to it that you oh, can't yeah. just like lose a game on purpose. Whereas Doug Peterson was like playing out the string with this this like Super Bowl roster that was all sort of tired of this this whole thing. And the difference, I believe, was between the nine pick and the six pick. Uh, I'm not positive on on the nine, but they end up with the six pick. And that and that positioned them to be a part of that that Dolphins 49ers trade. So they were able to get a future first out of it. They were able to get more draft inventory out of it that they wouldn't have been able to do had they been drafting at number nine. Yeah, it's interesting. And and there's one connection that one of our – we're live on YouTube today, and, and uh, one of our commenters, Brian Schuster, said, I wonder how much Ian Cunningham was involved – and all that. Bears assistant GM who came from Philadelphia. Whether he was involved in it or not, he certainly witnessed it and uh, yes. was a part of all the um, fallout from it and some of the trades that put the Eagles in the position that, that they're in. And, and and obviously, yeah, the, the the big thing in all this is, is that Jalen Hurts became Jalen Hurts and even to the Eagles' surprise. Um, what happened last year... That because I know the Eagles went through something similar as the Bears did this year with Justin Fields, where they they sort of shifted their offense to tailor it more towards what Jalen Hurts did well at the time. Um, and then it seems like this year they kind of took that next step to allow Jalen Hurts to, to become more of the passer. But kind of walk us through all that going back to last season, because the Bears went through this mini buy earlier this year and they came out of it on that Monday night game against the Patriots. And it was like a completely different offense for, for Justin Fields. And it's really paid off. So similar to the Chicago situation, Nick Sirianni was hired for what can be categorized as, as an arranged marriage. It wasn't a situation where the coach comes in and picks his quarterback. The difference of course is fields is a number one pick or a first round pick and hurts that he didn't necessarily have the same organizational commitment when Sirianni came in, but I bring that up as a way of saying it wasn't like Sirianni um, picked the quarterback for his offense. So uh, when they started last season, they were much more of a pass-heavy offense. They were running basically the Philip Rivers offense with RPOs in it, right? And then I I, I think around midseason, <clears throat> excuse me, they, they saw what um, they did well. They saw what they didn't do well. And they shifted to more of a run-oriented offense. It fit hurts. They had a really good offensive line that obviously helped. Uh, and you know there was changes in play calling during that too. They shifted from Nick Sirianni to Shane Steichen, but it was still the same offensive philosophy. It was just they became more run-heavy. And then as Hurts improved and as they got more weapons, that was the other thing too. They really didn't have good wide receivers last year, other than Devontae Smith and. You know, Quez Watkins was still developing. So as their weapons improved this year, as Jalen Hurts improved, then you saw the whole offense come together. And they had a full offseason, which they didn't have a year ago, obviously. So I I I look at those variables, but but the main thing is they they looked at the players they had and they built their offense or adjusted their offense to their players as opposed to keep saying to Jalen Hurts, you have to play this way. Yeah, I think there are two like big things about the the leap that Jalen Hurts has made this season. One that like makes total sense and one that has sort of like changed my mind and um, converted me into, into believing in stuff that I may not have believed in before. Um, the latter is like uh, Jalen Hurts has turned me into an intangibles guy. Um, like 
I, I, I would have always said that that stuff is a little bit overrated. And, you know, everything you heard last offseason from the Eagles was, we don't know what this guy's ceiling is, but we feel very confident that whatever it is, he's going to hit it. And you talk to, like, everybody around him, everybody in the locker room. You watch the way that he goes about things. Like, I really believe that he is wired in a way where he is, like, just pathologically obsessed uh, with the process of, of getting better at football. Um, and so I think that matters. And I also, like, I, I would have said that the second year in a system thing, who knows how, like, it's just, it's so undefinable. How, how much does that really matter? But Jalen Hurts hadn't played in the same offensive system for the same play caller since high school for in two years in a row. Um, and so this is his first time doing that since then. And I think you can tell that there's a difference being made uh, just in terms of his comfort. And he's made, you know, leaps in terms of pre-snap checks and uh, knowing where his hot routes are and stuff like that. So I think that stuff is like, it's been a little bit murky and changed my mind about how much that stuff matters. And then the other thing is what Zach said, uh, you know, I would have always said that if you, if you want to really make a quarterback better, you got to give him weapons who, and guys who are going to make him better. And I think A.J. Brown is so good that he is, you know, I think like the elite receivers are like independent variables that they can lift quarterbacks to higher, higher levels. And A.J. Brown, like even in the specific ways that he's good, help in ways that Jalen Hurts was not great last year, like throwing over the middle of the field. Uh, his deep ball has gotten a lot better. I think uh, if I'm if I'm looking at like what can the Bears do to follow the Jalen Hurts path, I would imagine it, it is like give him somebody he's comfortable with as the play caller and like get him some real weapons to throw to. And I'm sure that that's part of the reason they, they traded that that second round pick for Chase Claypool. I'm sure he's not he's not quite on A.J. Brown's level, but uh, I think that's that, that seems like the thing that they're trying to do. Yeah, I was going to say Darnell Mooney, Chase Claypool to Devontae Smith, A.J. Brown. There's, right. there's a slight slight gap there. Folks should check out a story up on The Athletic that, that Zach uh, pitched in for was kind of looking at these questions, and, and, and including the Bills, too, because the luck, luck, how lucky are the Bears that after they play the Eagles, they get to welcome <laughs> the Bills to Soldier Field. And it's a similar spot where Josh Allen was really bad as a rookie and had this amazing unicorn-like improvement and then Brandon Bean builds around and they go out and get Stefan Diggs. They use their draft picks wisely and now they're a juggernaut. Um, but you know, listening to Bo and Zach talk about the receivers of the offensive line, Hogue, that's where it's like, how do the Bears get these guys? Right? Because you know, you, you mentioned Malatz has become a good player. You already had Lane Johnson, Jason Kelsey. Like right now, the Bears might have somebody in Tevin Jenkins. And like, you know. That's that's about that's about it in terms of like guys you could say hey they're going to be long term fixtures in this offensive line, and I I'll always wonder this too, and, and you guys Bo and Zach went through this as the Eagles were trying to figure out how do we find that other wide receiver, is there was a period of time when AJ Brown, Terry McLaurin, DK Metcalf, and Debo Samuel all looked like they were going to play out this season, and be available via trade next year. And all of them, well, AJ Brown got traded and the other guys all signed extensions. Mm -hmm. And that left Ryan Poles in a situation where he looked at the wide receiver class and Poles has talked about this, like that Chase Claypool is pretty much the best guy he could get at this point. Now, maybe I can't even think, I, I mean, is there a wide receiver that come March or April is going to be upset where he is and, 
you know, the Bears can go probably. get him. Yeah, yeah, they'll probably be that's that's the position. They'll probably be somebody. But I think it's just like it might be Chase Claypool. Chase <laughs> <laughs> Claypool. Yeah, we'll see how these last four games go. But it's just all these are just a reminder that you know the the Eagles. I think that the the biggest similarity that the Bears and Eagles can see is this quarterback improvement, right? Because that's something Justin Fields can control. That's something he can do. And now the next step is okay, how can he can continue that? And then what can Ryan Poles bring in around him? And it's going to be very tough for Poles to find the strike, you know, strike the luck that Howie Roseman's gotten with who's around Hurts. Well, they, the the part with the offensive line, you know, it's it's like the expression, show me your budget and I'll tell you what you value, right? If if if, if you look at how the Eagles spend their their draft picks, and it's it's a, a running joke in Philadelphia that they're drafting offensive linemen and defensive linemen. All the time, right? Their their second round picks last year, the the last two seasons were interior offensive linemen. Neither one with the intention of starting um, from week one, and it was it was for long term, right? They 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 always they and this is something Howie Roseman talks about is they'll always break a tie by going with a, an offensive line. There's a reason why they haven't drafted a linebacker in the first round since 1979. There's a reason why. They 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 keep going through running backs and linebackers and and you know to a certain extent safeties um, and they're they're draft they they have good offensive line in part because they have a really good offensive line coach um, and they develop players but also because they prioritize this they draft it they develop it they pay money to it um, so if you want to see like you know the Eagles are an open book test in my opinion if if you want to see how they build their roster look at how they spend their money and look at how they spend their draft picks. Well, that hey, which, was, Bears, which was so surprising about the Bears draft class last year. You've got an offensive line general manager, an offensive line assistant GM, and it, the, the it's two secondary guys in the second round, and a you know thirty five year old wide receiver return <laughs> specialist in the third round. Hey, the Bears drafted four offensive linemen. How dare you? <laughs> they might have all been after the fifth round. Yes, and uh, only one of them plays. One's on the Rams now, I think. Correct. Right? It, yeah, but they did go out and they you know they got. Leatherwood off Alex Leatherwood off waivers. They're they're trying to take flyers with what they had, and they really were limited in the early draft capital that they had. He managed to add a lot more late, which is pretty much all he could do. Um, so, but I do think you know there's a story here involving Kyle Long and Chris Long going back to that 2018 playoff game that always sticks in my head because Kyle told this story after that game a little bit later, but he. You know, there's sort of this assumption that had Cody Parkey's kick gone in, the Bears were going to go on this like magical run because they had already beaten the Rams, who they would have played the next week, blah, blah, blah. And so Kyle was doing an interview and he was asked, you know, do you think that you guys would have kept going? And he said that his brother, Chris, who, of course, was on the Eagles, he had actually asked Chris that same question. He said, hey, you think if we if that kick goes in that that we, you know, we could have gone on to win the Super Bowl? And Chris told him flat out no. He said, you guys weren't physical enough. He said, you know, just as a line. And so I think that, and that's probably why in that game where the Bears may have had the more talent overall in the roster, up front, the Eagles were the more physical team. And I think that that's just something that in general, the Bears, you know, because we ended up talking about that for a couple seasons after. They just weren't physical enough at the line of scrimmage. And I do think that Ryan Poles, Ian Cunningham, that's one of their emphasis that they, they are uh, fixing now or trying to fix that being said the Bears team you see this weekend guys if the Eagles have the best defensive line in football 
which um, I think Sam Mustafer said yesterday about the the Eagles. Um, the Bears have by far the worst. Like they just they almost like don't have a D line. They there's they don't get sacks. They don't get pressure. And it just like when you look at this matchup at the line of scrimmage, it really shouldn't be that close. Well, that explains why. Uh, the Eagles gave a fourth round pick for supposedly the Bears' best uh, pass rusher, <laughs> and he has been a complete dud and is now on IR. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think the Eagles' defensive line is is it's very deep. I think that's what makes it good is that they can keep guys fresh. Um, you've got Fletcher Cox and uh, Javon Hargrave in the middle, but also now Linval Joseph and Milton Williams and Dominican Sue and Jordan Davis, their first round pick, who is barely playing right now after returning from injured reserve. And then you've got Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat on the edge, Brandon Graham, who's coming off a three sack game. Um, so they got a lot of bodies to throw at you. And uh, I think that right now they're first in the league in sacks. They've got one more sack than the Cowboys. So I think the Cowboys pass rush is probably like a little bit more scary. Uh, and maybe that you could, you could argue the Niners too, but, what, what makes the Eagles uh, pass rush and defensive line so good is that they're so deep. They're, they're, they can keep guys fresh. And that goes to what Zach said about organizational philosophy and what they spend on. That's, that is what they value. You know, my, my number one question about the game ahead is how many points will the Eagles score? Because I was doing this thought exercise and they scored, what, 48 mm-hmm. on yep. the road against the Giants? or you Like know. a very easy 48. Yeah. Yeah. So here they come to play the Bears. Now, here's a question, though. If it's, let's say it's um, 35-14 heading into the fourth quarter, you look ahead to the following week, the Eagles have the Cowboys. That's game of the year, right? And, or, yeah, or a is short it, week. Yeah. yeah. Or, 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 I mean, I, don't, I mean, it's a two-game lead, so maybe they can kind of... If they win the other three games, they don't need that game. Yeah. Uh, but... That's yeah. you don't know if you're going to win those last two. So. so do you know? Do does Nick Sirianni dial it back a little bit? He and Matty Rufus used to work together. I know this is more of a college football thing that you wonder about than a pros, but I I just like I was watching some of the Eagles game last week. I'm thinking, oh my god, like they might score sixty when they come to well, Soldier so, Field. So I I know a Saturday game is not the same as a Thursday game, but anecdotally, when the Eagles had a short week last time, so the they pulled their starters in the fourth quarter of the Sunday game with a very big early. Yeah. And then in the locker room after, after the game, they're literally doing recovery stuff. You know, they've stationary bikes set up. They have all, you know, they're, they're very mindful of the recovery aspect of it in, in November and, and December. They stop practicing on Wednesdays. They just do walkthroughs. So my guess is if the Eagles have a healthy lead in Sunday's game, knowing that they have one fewer day of recovery, knowing that, um, you know, the importance of the Dallas game, the fact that there's a lot of travel baked in here, flying back from Chicago, flying to Dallas, uh, they're, they're, they're mindful of, of those elements. So I would be surprised if Jalen Hurts is playing deep into the fourth quarter if they have a lead. You know, one thing I'm curious about on the Bears side going into this game, guys, that you, you might want to keep an eye on is, you know, the Bears obviously aren't that good, but when they had that mini-buy, and I mentioned this earlier, they they really got together as a coaching staff and made you know changes that needed to be made with sort of the future in mind and getting the most that they could and I just wonder what kind of wrinkles there might be maybe different players um, that get more of an opportunity I'm not saying it's anything that'll 
you know, flip flip the game or anything in the way that it was against the Patriots in that Monday nighter earlier in the season. The Bears' defense isn't anywhere near as good as it was uh, back then with some of the moves and injuries that they've had. But just something to keep in mind. Like, I, I, I there could be some different players in different places, different, you know, do they make more of an emphasis to get Chase Claypool involved at this point, downfield passing, Field still is dealing with that shoulder. I'm assuming it's not 100%. Maybe won't be until the end of the season, although the bye week probably helped with that. Um, just something to think about. I wanted to ask you guys, too, obviously with that Cowboys game coming up, the NFC is just an interesting conference. Like, who are the Eagles afraid of right now? As you, I, I, It's weird. Like, the Lions are almost like the tricky team you don't want to see in the playoffs all of a sudden if they could sneak in because, like, you look at it right now, they might be the fourth best team in the in the whole conference. Yeah, I think in I think in, right. in a one game season, which is a, you know, which is what you talk about in the playoffs, I still think Dallas and San Francisco pre- uh present challenges and and uh San Francisco even with Brock Purdy in there, we we saw what what they did last week that that defense is outstanding and um you know, they, there's I'm I'm not going to doubt Jalen Hurts right now because he's he's answered the bell every game this year. He's 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 done everything that they expect. But like the the one thing we haven't really seen this year is what happens when when Jalen Hurts has an off game um, because he hasn't really had an off game. He's had some games that are worse than other games. But even when they lost to Washington, I mean, they had untimely fumbles not from Jalen Hurts from you know your from, from your skill guys. So. Uh, until Jalen Hurts had a really bad playoff game last year in Tampa Bay. He's a much better quarterback now than he was then. So I, I don't even want to compare that Jalen Hurts to, to this Jalen Hurts. But when you see a really good defense like San Francisco is, like Dallas is, uh, then you just wonder, um, does uh, what's the team's um, you know second uh, a second plan, plan B? If if Jalen Hurts is not playing like Jalen Hurts that day, Zach always likes to say, "What's like? What's the fourth paragraph when someone pitches him a story? Like, you know, what's? The, I think that's like what you're saying is what's what's the what happens after the initial head to head. I think what's been so impressive about this Eagles season is that they have they have shown that they can win in so many different ways. Uh, you know, against the Packers a couple of weeks ago, they they ran for. Uh, 300 yards, right? And then they followed that up by Jalen Hurts throwing for 380 yards uh, the next week. And then last week, they they like threw it all over the, the field in the first half and then ran for like 180 yards in the second half. Um, they can do so many different things on offense. And their one big Achilles heel on defense was stopping the run. And over the last three weeks, like with Linval Joseph signed, uh, that has sort of been plugged. So... Uh, they they seem to have answers to all the questions, but that doesn't mean that they can't you know have a bad turnover game, some some bad fumble luck here and there in the playoffs. I think I agree with you that like I think the Lions would be the 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 team I would rank third. Um, I would probably say that th- that San Francisco is the team that would would scare me the most, just because uh, their defense scares me a little bit more. I think they match up better uh, with the Eagles, and because the running game is. Uh, something that that has worried the Eagles in the past. I think their variety on the ground is is something that could give them a little bit of a challenge. Yeah, the the reason I, I don't say Detroit is is because in these situations, any team they 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 need to come to Philadelphia in mid January, and uh, and that 
is and Jared Goff doesn't scare you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I, I think a, a team that can run the ball and has a really good defense is, is what would, um, pull off the upset more than a team that can throw the ball all, all over the field. Against yeah. Them. And that's not the lions with that defense. Although they kind of hung it. That week one was a long time ago, but that was the matchup yes. in week one. And they, they, uh, refresh my memory. Weren't the Eagles winning by a lot and the Eagles came, or the lions came back or something. So the lions jumped out to a lead. Oh, that's what it and was. And then the Eagles came back and were up uh, two scores, but then the lions got the ball down three points and, uh, the, and the Eagles stopped them at the end. And of the meanwhile, game. the bears beat the 49ers that day. So, um, probably a good lesson to not look too much at what happened in week one for a game. Then that could be played in mid January. Um, Guys, appreciate you guys doing this. This is awesome. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Bull Wolf, Zach Berman, uh, all these guys here. Kevin filling in for for Johns. Make sure you're checking out all their work on the athletics. Some really good stuff uh, as always. And Birds with Friends is the podcast that they do. I know I'll be listening to that this week. Make sure you check it out. Follow Zach on Twitter at zberm. Follow Bo at bo underscore wolf. That's w u l f. And uh, Kevin, of course, at k fishbane. Also, thanks to uh, Marissa Dunn for filling in for Kent on this one as as our producer. And um, we'll be back, Kevin, on Thursday for our our preview episode as we jump into this, this, even more so, this game against the Eagles. So we'll be back on our regular scheduled Thursday preview show then. Bo, Zach, thanks so much, man. Thanks, guys. All right. uh, That's going to do it for us. We'll, We'll see you Thursday.